Hello and welcome to the Hearts Review with me, Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week is David to talk about the defeat against Alloa, preview Greenock Martin on Saturday, and we finished talking about the Hearts documentary on the BBC. I'm not even going to ask how we are this week. What a rubbish performance that was yesterday. But we'll, we'll, we'll start by talking about the 3-0 win over Aloha. We'll, we'll, gloss, we'll, we'll gloss over that, cause just, just for record that it did happen. The first half was, was quite good. Yeah, we scored three goals. That was it. End of story. Let's move on to the good bit now, where we lost to Beacon Moan. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> Ross, this is the only reason we come on. Whenever Hearts win five games in a row, I'm not interested about the Hearts review. I only care when we lose so I can get angry. Well, you were disappointed last week, I heard, David, not being on. <laughs> no, yeah, I had prior engagement. <laughs> David just comes on for the for the, the brutal ones where we can where we can we can we can sort of scrutinise the team. Good three 0 win. The rut in the league's gone, but now we've uh, got a rut away from home. That that's two defeats in two. 1-0 defeat to Aloha, um yesterday. The performance simply wasn't good enough, was it? No, 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 it wasn't. Um, you know, I think you you look over um, the, the the game on Tuesday there, and, and I thought it was a real opportunity for Hearts to lay down a marker ahead of Saturday, um, because you know when you I, I think it's difficult when you face a team the same team twice in a row. Uh, the first games. You know, it's it's hugely important because ultimately it's their first opportunity to get a look at you, um, especially when it's on a different pitch. You know, I mean, at Tynecastle, Alloa wouldn't expect to come and get a result anyway, um, but they would be encouraged by the second half performance from Hearts. Um, I think when when you're three 0 up against a side, and then you don't go on uh, out in the second half and and finish them uh, five six nil. Um, I think naturally you'll give that side encouragement because they'll look at it and go, listen, first half we weren't good enough, we gave away three sloppy goals, but these aren't that great. And uh, on our own part, on our own part, we, we should fancy ourselves. And um, and that's what ultimately Peter Grant would have been saying to them. And um, and it, it proved to be the case because I thought Hearts uh, just picked up where they, they left off and that they were sluggish, um, they weren't moving the ball quick enough. And uh, and they just didn't look interested at times, and and you know that must be a real worry for uh, for Robbie Nielsen. It's a real worry for me anyway, um, because it's not as if it's just kind of a, a one-off. Um, it seems to be the, the the way we're playing at the moment. You know, there's no there's such a lack of creativity in there. Um, where you know it was a contrast to the first half, but um, because you know I thought that, that we actually played some decent stuff. Uh, we did use our quality. We moved the ball around quickly, and uh, we opened them up. We scored three, three really good goals, and then you know we just went back to how we had normally been playing. Um, very sluggish, um, such a lack of creativity, as I said. And it was a contrast to the first half, and um, and Saturday was the exact same. And it was it was disappointing. It really was, um, but sadly predictable. We didn't we didn't seem to. Um one create enough it seemed as if we were just waiting for extra time and then extra time happened and it seemed we were waiting for penalties yeah uh, it was it was i mean i would say it would, i would be surprised at how poor hearts were because i'm but i'm not because for three years we've dealt with false dons from hearts you know they've looked like they've managed to get back into where they should be in winning games and then they go on and lose against a team that plays part-time football or play against someone who's quite clearly worse than them and they lose or have a, a, an abject performance. I, I'm really getting losing my tether here with Hart because it's the same old story. We've not had a winger for three years. We signed two, one gets injured, one's crap, and we don't have any pace. And it's been the same story for three years. Our, our best midfielder is Andy Irvin, 19, 20 years old. And for some reason, Robbie Nielsen just doesn't seem to want to play him. I don't know if he's carrying a knock or something, but... I, I, by the looks of it, I don't think it is because he keeps coming off the bench and at least trying to influence the game and takes the ball from the back and tries to play forward. There's no reason why we should be playing two defensive mids. And uh, to be honest, playing with Ollie Lee Andy, and Andy Haldy, you're playing with uh, nine men on the field because I, I, I'm really getting sick of Ollie Lee. People were thinking that he was going to come back and be this guy that was going to, you know, oh, Ollie Lee, he's had a good one spell, he'll come back. Nielsen will ken how to play him. Well, no, he can't. Nobody can because Ollie Lee. Ollie Lee stays in the same area of the pitch for 15 minutes, puts his hand out to ask for the ball, 
but and doesn't get it, and he's happy with that because he just looks like he's trying. He gets the ball from 35 yards out and shoots, and it invariably goes out for a throw-in, and there's no there's no way that man should be in the team. I'm sorry. Whew, that felt good. Uh, apart from that as well, uh, it just uh, through the middle, we try all and always play through the middle as well. And we have to, because we've got nobody out wide to, to do anything else. Uh, and, and Stephen A. Smith playing that way in Rooney's role, someone should tell him that he can't play it, because, you know, we've tried it this season, he just clearly can't play in that position well enough. He played up front for, for half a season, and Levine was our top goal scorer, even though he was injured for six months. Clearly where Naismith is the most effective up front, but for some reason Nielsen does, wants to play him in that 10 role, or even drop it a little bit deeper and trying to influence the play. And it, it doesn't look like he's able to do it. So I think Nielsen needs to buckle up his ideas for the next few weeks because it's going to be, uh, he's not, not going to have an easy ride come after Christmas if we put, keep putting in performances like that. Is, is that a worry, Gordon? You know, that that we, we can't seem to beat a part-time team away from home. Yeah, and um, of course it's a worry, but I, I agree with what David was saying there. I think Halliday and Lee are too similar. Um I think when you play a midfield with too many players that are exactly the same, you're always going to have issues. Um, you need a different blend. And uh, I think somebody like Irvin offers a, a, a bit of difference because he's, you know, he's athletic, he's energetic, and he's creative. And I think having him in there um, alongside a guy like Halliday would be the right blend. I just think when you have somebody like Lee in there who is just going to sit there and, as David says, is going to have very little effect on the game going forward, then you are effectively a man down. Um, you know, I can understand why why Robbie wants to have... Well, I can't actually understand why he wants to have cover against Aloha. Um, but, you know, I can see why, you know, he wants to go forward. You know, he wants that to be his formation going forward, having those kind of holding mid, uh, midfielders. But you've got to have the right players in there. And you've got to, you've got to have different plans. And I spoke about this last week. You've got to have plan Bs and Cs. And um, and you've got to have you know different ways of playing against different teams. And unfortunately, we just don't have that. You know, we're just very predictable. Uh, we set up the same every week. We play the exact same every single week. We're not getting the best out of players. You know, listen. Inevitably, Liam Boyce will come up this week, and and again, it was another um, poor showing from him. But again, you know, I feel sorry for the guy because he's he's been isolated and hardly anything's been created for him. Um, and it's you know, and Naismith as well. You know, I think you've just exactly heard everything I said last week, David, and and you've echoed it because I was saying everything that you've just said there as well. Uh, he needs to stop thinking he's Wayne Rooney, Stevie Naismith, and and dropping deep because he's ineffective in those positions. You know, he, he's got to be further up the park um, because that ultimately that that's his job. He's an attacking player, um, and I hate coming on here and, and repeating myself, but it's it's the same mistakes every single week. It's the same thing, and um, it it really is getting to the stage now where you you start worrying because it is a condensed season. There's only 27 games to play, and as each week goes along, you know, listen, Hearts have got a tough away game next week against Greenock Morton, and they'll be sitting there um, looking at that and going, well, listen, if they're losing to Aloe Athletic, then surely we've got to have a chance here. Um and that and, and, and it just rumps up the pressure, you know. The the more kind of abject performances Hearts continue to string out, the 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 more difficult it's going to be for them, and uh, and the pressure continues to get heightened up. It's it's all very well and fine having a good start, but if you don't back it up and um, and start playing a lot better, you know, because the results were coming in the first eight games, that's fine. You know, you can overlook the performances, but. You think to yourself, inevitably, well, we're winning games and we're not playing well. We will start playing better now, but that hasn't that hasn't came. They're, they're still they're still putting in the same performances as they were at the start of the season, and it's the same mistakes and it's just so slow and predictable. and And teams only have to watch a couple of games of Hearts this season, and ultimately they can figure out how to play against them. And when you're being outsmarted by a team uh, who are part time, as you say. Um, in, in a national competition in the last 16 with a really good opportunity to get to the quarterfinals and you're going out 1-0, then, I'm sorry, you've got to have a long, hard look at yourself and it's, quite frankly, an embarrassment. Have we been duped into thinking Hearts are a good team? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think we have, actually. Um, but on paper, you know, and it's, do you know, it's maybe the same the same issues that we had last season. You, you look at it and you go, that's a really good squad. 
Um, you know, that's the that's the third best squad in the country. Blah 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 blah. But the fact is, it's not. And um, and and maybe the championships are level. Yeah. Maybe they've found their level. And even then, it's, you know, we're we're just we're just not as good as we think we are. Um, and and that's and that's sad considering the investment that's been put into this club over the past eight, well, three years, I would say. You know, um, it's when you actually just analyse it and you sit down and you have a wee look and you look at where Hearts have finished the last, you know, three years in particular, and then you look at the the money and the players that they've brought in. It really is absolutely staggering that the fact that we're actually struggling uh, in the championship. It's as if they've looked at FIFA or football manager stats and just decided, oh, they're they're a good player on paper. We'll just pop them in. You know, you'll do all right. You don't win gate. You don't. Proof's in the pudding. We got relegated last season. We weren't good enough last season. You know, the season finished early. Fine, but you know, we still finished bottom after after the amount of games there was. We should never have been bottom for the investment we made. The transfer policy of the last three years, I don't actually know what it is. Yeah, it, 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 it kind of reminds me of, it's like watching Man United down south. They just sign players almost for the sake of it. We don't, what, is the, what is the policy and what is the strategy of these players that we're signing and what do we want to try and build? Because I, we don't, we've not known for three years what Hearts are trying to build. They talk about we're invested in the youth because they want to get youth players through. Well, barely any have came through. And then they sign all these guys on who are out of contract, but have got a, a good pedigree, a good experience. It's all very good signing all these players, but you've got to blend them in and you've got to have a plan of attack to work these players into a squad that's going to be competitive and successful. And for three years, we've not had that. It's as simple as that. Yeah, but the, the, the thing is as well, and, and you, you just said there that um, we've signed guys with a good pedigree. Have we though? Because, I mean, you, you look at the, the guys who did come in now in the summer, you know, Elliot Freer and Jordan Roberts in particular. Um, which one of them was at Forest Green Rovers last season? You know, the other one was at what Crawley Town. Come on, yeah. do me a favour there. I mean, no, it's I, just. I, I mean, I just, <laughs> Forest Green Rovers. Sorry, just the more I say it, the more I laugh. Uh, exactly, and it does. You know, it's laughable. And the thing is, you know, we're, we we are duped into believing that these guys are suddenly yeah. coming in and they're improving the squad. Are they? I don't think they are. I don't think they have. Um, you know, we've just stagnated. We've went sideways of anything because let's be honest, we you know, Sean Clare went out. You know, be more than critical of Sean Clare over the uh, over his his time, um, but he was certainly improving, and he he had I think he had all the attributes to to um, to start developing into a better player. Um, and I think you know if if we had you know kept him ahead of having somebody like Roberts or Freer, that would have certainly been an upgrade. You know, they let Uchi go. Um, listen, Uchi, again, has had his critics, but you're not trying to tell me that he wouldn't be effective in this division, because I think he would be. Uh, Connor Washington went. I appreciate they got money for Connor Washington, but again, they didn't replace him. And the fact is, you know, we've got two natural strikers in Whiten, who, you know, has had a good start and credit to him, but he, he can't seem to get in the team. Don't know if that's because Nielsen just doesn't fancy him or he doesn't fit in his system. And then, obviously... Boys is having a tough time at the moment, but the fact of the matter is, you should have more competition in there. So a guy like Liam Boyce, who clearly is feeling the heat at the moment, can you can take him out, and you've got somebody natural to come in there and replace him. Um, you know, he took Boyce off for yeah yesterday and brought Naismith on. Um, and again, you know, it was effectively like we didn't have a striker up front after that. Um, that the, there was no, there was nothing up front. There was no presence. There was nothing, and that's the biggest worry you've got. When you know you you need to change it ultimately, and you know there's just no trust in you know the striker that you've got in the park, and you know somebody like Uchi, for example, you would throw him on there, he would ruffle up some feathers, he brings other people into the game, because um, that's ultimately what he done. He would always take a defender out, and that means guys like Naismith and um, you know your Boises, it gives them a little bit more freedom up front, a little bit more in opportunity. Um, people used to, you know, slate Uchi and say he's lazy and all this. I, I, I didn't think so. You know, I thought he was a fascinating striker to have, and uh, and I, you know, you seen it, the the Scottish Cup game against, uh, sorry, not not Scottish Cup game, the Rangers game at uh, home when we won two one and we had effectively four strikers on the park. Um, Stendhal knew that putting somebody like Ikpiazu on there, basically, it takes one of the Rangers defenders away, and then you see what happened. 
Boyce scores because, you know, Uchi's took one of those men out, out, out of the box. You know, I, I thought this would be a good season for him, a good kind of level for him to, to really kind of get his confidence and his, his mojo back and he would be effective. And it's just bizarre. Going back to the game, obviously, the big moments, the penalty. We've had a wee look back at the penalty. It's, I mean, the camera angle's not great. You can't notice it. Robbie Nielsen says it's never a penalty. So did Craig Gordon. I don't really think it matters if it was a penalty or not. We weren't good enough to win that game yesterday. It's, it, you could argue it's justice, really. The fact that it was a penalty before, it looked like we were trying to get through to penalties before that, to be honest, the way extra time was going. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, as far when we when uh, I seen it live, I, I really didn't have many complaints because it looked like Walker was clumsy. And it, honestly, to be honest, the way Walker played that day, it didn't surprise me that he'd given away a penalty at the end because he was pointless as well being on the park. Uh, so... And, and, and here's another guy who uh, we haven't actually mentioned yet, who's been a complete waste of time getting back to Hearts. He's offered absolutely nothing. Well, I've, I've mentioned it, David. You Don't you worry yeah. about that. No, but you haven't mentioned him today, so I thought, why not well, start with firing pistols? Because accused of having a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> it made for a great debate. <laughs> no, he's, he's not got any pace anymore. He's not going. He doesn't really seem to look like he can be bothered. I mean, in the last ten minutes, he, he kind of came deep and was trying to chunt the ball up to, to players who are no taller than five foot ten against Aloha's three six foot four defenders. I mean, what chance have he got? Absolutely no. And there's no. He doesn't take any responsibility, Jamie Walker, and that's what annoys me the most. A guy who's meant to be hearts through and through, he gets what the club's all about. But when the going gets tough, he's the first one to kind of shy away and not grab the game by the scruff of the neck. And that is actually a serious problem with this Harps team, is that there really is no backbone. We've talked about how soft Harps have been over the past few years. And, you know, OK, uh, understand it looked like we were trying to grab the game a little bit. And now under Nielsen, you know, Nielsen, he's been here before. We had, we had a lot of uh, uh, backbone, a lot of leaders in that championship team and in the premiership. Well, do you know what? Look at that team. Not one of those players grabs the game by the scuff of the neck and really takes a bit of responsibility. It takes a little bit on their shoulders. And, and you know, and, and says, um, puts their hands up and says, do you know what? That was my fault. It's all looking at each other and waiting for someone else to do it instead of them taking a little bit of uh, of initiation. Uh, uh, you know, a, a little, just just looking at the game and just going, yeah, I need to do something here instead of looking at their strike partner that's, and wait for them that, to do something. Yeah, that, that, that that's a, that's actually a really good point there, David, because. You know, there, there is such a lack of leadership in that team and, and them taking responsibility for, for themselves. You know, it's easy to sit here and, and have a pop at Nielsen for the way he sets up, but, but the players really need to have a long, hard look at themselves. And, and you're absolutely spot on because, you know, you, the, Christoph Berra was in the paper during the week there um, after we had played Alwa in, in the first game. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm not finished and all this sort of nonsense. Um, and, you know, I, I look at my performances, I, I've still got a lot to offer. Now, instead of actually taking responsibility for his own crap performances over the last 18 months, he's sitting there bigging himself up because he played against an Alawa striker and an Alawa team who didn't come out their own half on Tuesday. And then, he, you know, he was giving himself a pat on the back, the first opportunity he could actually get. You know, that that's the, the type of mentality, you know. Christoph Benner's considered, you know, a, a great role model, you know, a man who's a, a leader, and I'll do the best for the shirt. And the fact is, you know, every single week that there's, that, you know, there's a defeat or there's a, a, a poor performance, they're all out to the press talking and saying, oh, we must do better and we must do this and that. And it was the same last season, the same this season as well. You know, they just, they, they, they hide and they're, they're quick to point the finger and, and lay the blame elsewhere rather than taking responsibility um, for their own actions. And, and I agree completely about Walker, you know, Hearts man, as you say, um, but he, he's another one who's who, who hides very easily, and I thought he was totally ineffective again on uh, again on the game uh, on on Saturday there. Um, it, it really is worrying uh, when, when you sit back and you you know you, you pick it apart because it's it's just we're we're just constantly repeating ourselves um, from last season, and um, you know you would hope that it would have been a fresh start for for the club because I think if we were just relegated on merit after 38 games, then the fallout would be even worse. Um, I think the fact that they actually had the opportunity to kind of almost shift blame, I think, helped them out a lot. Um, and it helped the, you know, the, the club almost reset and start afresh. And, um, but sadly, you know, the, the issues are deeper than that and, and they just keep popping up, especially when you're given a lot of the guys that were responsible for Hearts going down in the first place game time again. 
has there been a regression from Stendhal to Nielsen? Well, they're, 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 two, they're two different managers, aren't they? You know, I think Stendhal has a, a policy of attacking, of wanting to play a certain way, um, where Nielsen's more kind of coy and uh, is more interested in, in kind of having a solid back line. Um, I think the, the players clearly responded to Stendhal um, in the, in, when he came in, uh, particularly after January anyway. And the new players, I think they they fitted in the system a little bit better. Yeah, there were still issues there because defensively we weren't good enough and we were still um, soft in the middle of the park. But I think um, over time, when he managed to get his own squad together, there would have been an exciting, sharp team to watch. Um, who, yeah, they would concede goals, but they would also you'd also be confident that they would still score. You don't get that watching this this team, unfortunately. You know. Uh, they can easily still concede goals, and and they just they don't you don't sit there thinking yeah we've still got a chance of equalising here, that, which is is really worrying. I'll, I'll put this to both of you then. Would you re- obviously under Stendhal we got relegated, and under Nielsen we've achieved nothing yet. So, would you rather say we achieve nothing with both of them? Would you rather be excited watching Hearts or bored watching Hearts but achieve nothing? You achieve nothing either way, but what would you rather? Well, of course you want to be excited, you know what I mean? Like, why? Watching Hearts at the moment is utterly eye-bleeding. And it was the same under Levine. It's just, it, it brings you down watching it. You know, at least where that kind of second half of the season, you know, you knew we were getting goals. Even when we were like 2-0 down, you still thought, bang, we get one here, we're back in it. Yeah. And, um, and watching that type of football is certainly, you know, you came away from Tynecastle and, the unfortunate thing is defensively we weren't good enough and we didn't have a good goalkeeper. You know, where you add Craig Gordon into that team and then, you know, you do a wee bit of the defence and, you know, you have somebody like, well, I mean, you've seen what, what Toby Civic was like in the Rangers game, for example. You have a Peter Haddon in there and then suddenly, you know, you've got a really exciting forward-thinking team again. Um, unfortunately, uh, you're you're not going to get that with Nielsen. Um, it's just not the way he's he, he's set up and, and he wants to play. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. I would take excitement every day of the week. Of course, uh, there's nothing more depressing about coming away from Tynecastle and losing one or two nil and creating nothing. At least when you come away uh, from a game that's like, even for example, actually, my probably one of my fondest memories of Stendhal, apart from the Rangers ones, was that three three draw at St Johnston because at three one down we created two chances in the last what five or ten minutes to get a draw. And uh, in, in the last three years of watching Hearts, we would never have scored three goals in a game. We never even scored two, let alone two in eight minutes or something like that. So, and, and you, you came away from that, you were like, there was a response. There was a little bit of bite in that Hearts team and a little bit of something that made you actually believe that we were going to become a better team. Uh, obviously, that didn't quite come to fruition. But, yeah, of course, you'd rather watch your team score four and concede three than score one, concede none, and be complete crap for the whole season. Because at the end of the day, your luck runs out when you're not playing uh, well and, get, and still getting results. When your luck runs out, you're in real trouble. And to be honest, it looks like our luck ran out in November already. But, he, but the, the thing is, when Stendhal left Hart, he, he did leave Hearts a better team, in my opinion, than the one he inherited. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people can talk about his points tally and all that thing, but if you look at the um, defensively, they weren't good enough. And like I say, the goalkeeping issue had been an utter shambles. Um, so... You can't you can't polish a turd, but I thought Daniel Stendhal done a pretty decent job at actually managing to shine it up a little bit. Um, the 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 problem that you have is that um, we were running out of games. You know, I think if he takes over in the summer, for example, you know, there's no way Hearts are bought, uh, battling at the bottom of the, the league. You know, that second half of the season, you know, the the first 20 minutes against Hamilton and the uh, the St Mirren game, you take those those out, the performances were actually they were alright, you know the, the, they were better, you could see there was an improvement they were scoring goals and um, yeah, the, the, the issue was they were conceding goals and, and they were giving away too, too, too many easy goals um, like I say if you do a bit of surgery there and, and you manage to kind of get a goalkeeper like Gordon for example which I mean, I believe they tried in January you almost think if they managed to get Craig Gordon in January they probably would have um, finish the season in, in you know, 11th or, or 10th. Um, because, I mean, like Kilmarnock at home and things like that, you know, uh, even the St Johnston away, 
uh, what David, you know, spoke about. I think it was uh, Pereira, I think, was at fault for was it the second goal, the third goal, whatever. But, um, yeah, listen, that, 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 that's, that was a major issue. And I think if he came in in the summer and had an opportunity to, to really reshape his squad, because you can't do it in January. You, you know, you just can't. There isn't enough time in January. And I think for the players that he actually managed to get, like I say, he was unlucky with Sibic, for example. You know, you've seen the two games he actually played in, how effective he was. If he's if he's fit and, and you can get him in, in for more games while you're waiting on a Haring-type player to come back in, naturally you're going to have more stability in your squad then anyway. Um, I think the fact that, that we had such a lack of options in the middle of the park and then defensively as well, that's what cost us. And, and it made it difficult for when he was wanting his team to expand and go forward and win games we were just getting caught out. If you have the right kind of stability back there, then that, that doesn't happen. Well, we'll move on. We'll talk about Daniel Sinner a wee bit later in the show as well when we talk about the, the last of the documentary and, and the club in general. I mean, we've we've, 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 we've obviously talked about Liam Boyce quite a lot on, on the show. Um, and obviously, a few weeks ago, Gordon, you said, you know, he's a top quality striker. Robbie Nielsen agrees with you. He is a top quality striker. Does a top quality striker not score every week or every second week? No, no, no not when um, your 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 players are not creating for you. You know, he, he is a top quality striker. His numbers don't lie. Um, but but the, the the problem ultimately is when you've you've got such a a team behind you in a midfield in particular, and I I keep saying every week, and in my opinion is not going to change. Um, you know, when you're only getting one or two chances a a, a week, and that's always getting. You know, I know you're saying should a top quality striker score every week? Yeah, they should. But ultimately, top quality strikers are playing in top quality teams, and they're getting five, six, seven chances a week. He's not getting that, um, and ultimately that'll affect his confidence. And uh, and then you get in a rut, and then you go from there. He need, he needs something fresh. He needs like a partner up front, somebody who's gonna, you know, inspire the guy and and get more out of him because. Um, you know, he's just, I feel sorry for him. You know, he's just isolated up there and he becomes frustrated and that affects his performance. Um, but, you know, it's up to Nielsen to, to get the best out of him. Uh, I'm worried because um, it, this has kind of reminded me of, well, I say reminded me, it's, it's kind of bringing everyone to the realisation that any time Hart sign a striker with a proven record, we ruined them. Uh, it's a Hearts thing. That number nine shirt is cursed for Hearts. Uh, I... I, I the problem is with me with Liam Boyce is that when he does get chances, they're pretty big ones. You know, he's been he's been one on one in front of goal. He's had big chances to score, and he, he ultimately is snatching them and he's not putting them on target. And he's he's wasting big opportunities for Hearts. Gordon's right, yeah, okay, uh, the service into him is is poor, but it's even when he is getting chances to take the ball in the middle of the park, it, it, his lack of confidence is making him pass it backwards or making a poor touch and losing the ball, and then. That cycle of frustrating, getting frustrated with himself, then he's trying too hard. He is taking a lot of the brunt of the opportunities for Hearts. I'll agree with you on that. You know, he's the only focal point in that Hearts team, and we've alluded to the fact that he should be playing with another striker. But for a guy of his quality, who's went away to Northern Ireland and scored on his international breaks, should be scoring the chances he's getting. It's as simple as that, and but, but, that's but some that, of the that, reasons that, why that we are. You, that just shows you that he's went, he's went away in a different environment. And he scored. He scored a goal because he ultimately feels more relaxed and more confident. And and again, you know, he's obviously feeling the brunt of the pressure because, like you say, he's, he's the focal point up front. Um, but it's it's up to his manager to get the best out of him. It is um, by creating chances, making sure that he does score goals and he feels good about himself. And then that's when he'll go on a run and he'll start getting more goals. And ultimately, that's the best for the team. Um, you know the guy. The guy's not a crap striker. He's not a dud. Um, but to have somebody like him, you've got to play in a way that gets the best out of him. And, and I think in January they should have a serious look at who they want to bring in to partner him. And they should, um, they, they, honestly, because I mean, I, obviously I'm not comparing Hearts to Liverpool, but you mean you remember when Daniel Sturridge and Luis Suarez got together and they become SAS, and you know Suarez kind of came in and he struggled a little bit and he couldn't quite sort of get goals and people were questioning him because uh, I think originally they were up front with Andy Carroll and it just wasn't working and then Sturridge came in and bam, you know, they, they, they set the place alight. 
having a partner up front for a, a striker like Boyce, similar to sort of, you know, Sturridge to come in and have that similar Im- impact w- would be huge. And I think, you know, you thought at maybe one point Naismith was going to be that, that kind of, that striker, uh, that second striker where they could have a partnership and they've linked up a couple of times. But, you know, Nasey's not playing high enough up the park. To, to have that impact and, and form a partnership with um, with Boyce. And again, uh, you know, who's that down to? Is that because Robbie wants him to go deeper? Or is that because, you know, he, he just doesn't feel that he's he's going to be effective up front? So um, I think it's something they've got to seriously have a look at. And um, But th- there's no point just signing a striker for six months. People are saying, you know, remember when Zifuk and stuff. That's not what Hearts need. They need to look at going forward getting someone in there and you know if, and if they have to spend money they have to spend money because it's a it's it's a hugely problematic thing they've got at the, at the, at the moment and it would cost them far more money to um, to get rid of a guy like Liam Boyce and then start again where if you can find the right partner to come in and uh, you know and I don't know if that's somebody in Scotland or if it's somebody maybe either in Europe or down in England whatever but they, but they need to find somebody that's going to complement them what if we stay in this championship? What happens? Well, I mean, it would be, be an absolute disaster for, uh, well, I mean, ultimately Nielsen would need to be sacked. Um, but again, it's another, I think it would be the end of Mrs. Budge because she would have to resign. Um, listen, you know, I've been more than critical of Mrs. Budge's handling of, of the football club and the football department. Um, it looks like she's maybe stepped back a little bit um, from that, uh, by you know, appointing Jim Jeffries and and letting him kind of take things. But the real question is, how much of an influence does does Jim Jeffries have, and what's his actual remit? What's his role? You know, I've said for years, scouting is is a huge problem at Hearts, and it comes from top to bottom. You know, I think we're too soft. Um, I think we accept defeat too easily. Um, listen, we've just been put in the League Cup by Al Athletic and it's uh, it, it's an absolute embarrassment and um, I think ultimately things have got to change going forward otherwise it'll be a consistent a consistent problem um, it's easy for you know people to come out and Nielsen will probably say the same uh, and it'll, it'll be the same inevitably when we lose the Scottish Cup final there's just a bonus you know and it's all about the league I'm sorry but the, the, the squad we have the, the money we've invested in the squad, it shouldn't just be about the, the, the league. I'm sorry, the, that that squad is more than good enough to have a real go at the uh, the cups, and it's absolutely bitterly disappointing that we've been knocked out by a, a you know a championship side who are part time. It's an it's an embarrassment. It really is, and um, and these things will continue to happen until we we have a proper shake up. And um, and listen, it's it's frustrating. Uh, Nielsen would never have been my pick in the summer anyway um, you know I, I think going for, going forward I mean he, he could be the man to stabilise us and hopefully get us back up and hopefully we'll turn things around in this, this short period um, and, and, and get us back firing again get us out of the league and then stabilise us but going forward and you know if, if, if Mrs Budge has any real ambition and wants to take this club into Europe and battling for trophies and things like that like she said in the past then she's got to go and find someone who is going to take Hearts to the next level Robbie Nielsen won't take Hearts to the next level he's just not capable of doing it um, he proved that in his first period um, and he's he proved it at Dundee United as well uh, he's proven it already in his second period um, it's, you know it's, Hearts are predictable we, we know where the club's going and it's stagnating for another few years our inability to, to get rid of Craig Levine in time has cost this club a long, you know, a long, painful road back to to where it wants to be. Um, you know, Nielsen, fine. You know, when he came in, he, he got the club up, and um, you know, they, they finished third and things like that. And when he left, they, they were second, but that was only um, because they, they had played a game more. Um, then they had to get the right person to come in and take the club forward. That didn't happen. Um, I liked the idea of Cathro, but he was just the wrong man. Um, I feel like, you know, if you have somebody like Daniel Stendhal, who came in at that time, for example, he could have been the man to take Hearts forward. Um, but again, circumstances have went against them. So you've got to have a, a, a real kind of 
ambitious look at what, what you want to do with the football club and where you want to go. I mean, you've just got to look at the turnaround of Rangers. Um, now, I'm not saying Hearts should be where Rangers are because naturally they have a, a much big, bigger budget, but you, you look at what they've managed to do in such a short period of time, um, a few years, you know, the, the shambles that they were. They've brought Steven Gerrard in. It didn't quite sort of um, work out maybe the first season, but you could see that there were signs of progress there. And he's been allowed to build an exciting, forward-thinking team um, who, let's be honest with you, look like they're going to go and win the, the, the title for the first time in 10 years. Um, they could even, you know, win trophies. You look at how well they're playing in Europe. Um, I'm not saying Hearts should be challenging for league titles or anything like that, but they should at least be in the top three every year and they should be challenging for trophies. I think the ambitions has got to turn Hearts into a, a team who are constantly playing in Europe. And I'm not just talking about doing an Aberdeen and qualifying for the, 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 the qualifiers every year and getting knocked out in the third qualifying round and all this. Because ultimately what that does, it brings more money into the club. It brings uh, more exposure. And, you know, it just grows the club from strength to strength. And that's got to be the ambition because it's not unachievable for me. Um, but when you continue, when we continue to stagnate and continually make wrong decisions on and off the park, we're never going to achieve that dream. We're always just going to constantly be mid-table and uh, and you're just going to be listening to us ranting and raving for years to come. And it's, it's sad, it really is. Yeah, the problem is we've heard this from Budge before because... Uh, I'm pretty sure she came out when we were back in the Premiership and she said that top six is quite, uh, a, you know, a very good season. I'm not being funny, but Hearts are the third biggest club in this country and they should be finishing third as a minimum. And as long as she's here, she'll be quite happy with a bit, a look, quite a mediocre season with winning the Championship and that's that, with a very bang average squad, with a bang average points total. You know, I, I seen a tweet today that went, oh, you know, it's very unfair to expect Hearts to, to go out and win every game in this championship. Why? They've got the biggest budget and the biggest squad by a country mile, by about tenfold of the next uh, the next best competitor behind them. Why shouldn't Hearts go out and try and win and conceivably at least go unbeaten this season? But we've managed to do that, uh, outdo ourselves in two weeks by getting beat off both Dunfermline and the Valo Athletic. It's embarrassing. I feel as if we're having a bit of a meltdown here. <laughs> I wanted to win that League Cup. It's been 60 years since we've not bloody won that, and people are quite happy with it. No, I want to win that trophy as soon as possible. Are we having a meltdown for no reason? We've only lost two games. Yeah, but you, but it's not it's not just two games, though, is it, Ross? I mean, because you, you, you've got to look at the performances. It's not as if, you know, Hearts were blitzing teams and we're playing really, really well and we've just had a one-off and we've been unlucky. Um, I think the, the perform- I think those results have actually been coming. Um, when you look at the way the team's been playing, um, they just happen to be kind of getting results, which was glossed and over it. So, um, like I say, you know, he's, he's lucky they beat Hibs because I think if they hadn't, then, you know, the the, the pressure would be tenfold. It really would be. Um, and I think the players are lucky that the fans aren't still in, in the ground because I think if uh, the punters were having to watch this um, in the flesh, they would soon know about it. You know, if they thought last season was bad, um, just wait. And if they struggle to go to the championship, you know, we're, we're not hips. Can't accept being in the, the, the lower leagues for two years, two, three years in a row. Um, it's it's not good enough. Um, and they've, you know, they, they've got to improve um, drastically. And I think um, the biggest thing for me is, is going to be January um, because this squad, I think, is still... Um, just going forward, they they don't they don't inspire me. They don't excite me. Obviously, a big game now coming up against Morton. The the biggest problem that that we have is that it's another similar game to Dunfermline and Alwa. Um, you know where it's you're probably going to get a predictable Hearts performance. Certainly, if they set up the same and if they they go into the game with the same attitude, they've got every chance of getting beat again. Um, you know, I think what what they they, they could have done with is with you know. A team like you know would have been a good chance to play like a Dundee or something. You know, a team who's going to come out and be a wee bit more expansive and, and try and have a go. Um, I think I think playing somebody like Morton again probably just going to highlight the same issues that Hearts have had for the last couple of weeks. You know, they're they're going to be very workmen. They're going to fancy themselves. They're going to they're going to uh, not give Hearts any opportunities to to pick them apart. Um, so it's a huge test for Nielsen and and his players because. 
they need to change something. So I hope they've been in the training park and, you know, they, they prove us wrong and, and they come up with a few different ideas because I think if they go into that game with the same uh, the same kind of setup, then I can only see, you know, I think it would be 1-0 either way, either to us or them. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if it was the latter. We, away from home, every game we've played, we've looked uninspiring, flat, and with really a lack of any idea of how to break a team down. So it doesn't fill me with great confidence that our next game to bounce back from an away defeat is an away game where we'll probably get a defeat. So uh, I'm not looking forward to it at all. If we get a 1-0, you know, a scrappy 1-0, you take it. But at the end of the day, we can't really take it because we need a good performance rather than just a good result because a good performance only buys you a week. If you can marry the two together, you start getting fans back on your side because I think now people are starting to wake up and smell the coffee that uh, performances aren't good enough. Maybe this team isn't quite cutting the custard for what's needed to, to win number of games required in this championship. So it's a, it's a huge month for Hearts, you know, and I think um, you, you look at the games that we've got coming up and uh, it's a real opportunity now for players to to, to start putting their, their mark on the team and thinking to themselves, listen, I need to up my game, so I'm in that Scottish Cup final squad. Um, you know, I know every time they come out and they play it down, they say, you know, oh, we're, we're not, we've not even thought about it and, and all this sort of uh, nonsense. But you have to think about it, you know what I mean? It's the biggest game that all of these guys will ever play. You know, they'll, they'll probably never get a chance, some of them, to, to ever potentially play in a cup final again. Um, so they've, they've got to up their game and make sure they're in the squad for it um, by putting a run of results together and a run of performances that, that makes them feel good about themselves and boosts confidence so that they can go into that game with, with nothing to fear and have a real go against a team who themselves is, is absolutely filled with quality but are having a tough time as well. So, you know, it's, it's a massive chance now for, for these guys to up their game and, uh, you know, starting with, with Saturday at Morton, um, they've then got a few home games and, and you know, listen, the cup final's only what? Is it three weeks away? Something like that. Um, so they've, you know, they've they've really really got to get their act together. I must say, I'm I'm quite annoyed that we're not actually getting to go to this game with with fans not being in because I've never actually been to Capital to watch a game. Yeah, ne- ne- neither have I actually. It's yeah. one of it's one of one of the grounds that I want to tick off. So um, we'll get a good chance next season. Don't worry. Yeah. Always the optimist, David. Always the optimist. I'm, the optimi- I'm an optimistic person, except when hearts are involved. And they change me. Oh, you're a Man United fan as well, aren't you? Oh, exactly. Hearts, Man United and Scotland have really been dealt a bad hand, haven't they? Ah, oh, you've had some good times. You've done... Listen, just you be quiet, the English. <laughs> you really you're never fan. <laughs> uh, at least it's not Wigan. <laughs> yeah. Said about Obviously, moving on, we've 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 all watched the documentary. Um, you know, overall with the three three episodes, that was a decent insight into Hearts. I've I've obviously obviously said this the last few weeks. Um, but you know, it really didn't. It was really too quick for me. The three episodes. There was a lot of stuff in there that wasn't really that necessary. A lot of stuff about the hospitality was fine for ten minutes in one episode, but they tried to stretch that out between all three. It was a bit, it was a bit unnecessary. I was like, okay, great hospitality, it's a restaurant, fantastic. Well, look, that food looks lovely. I wasn't really interested. There wasn't enough about the, the football side of things that all the Hearts fans really tuned in for. And I said this to you guys: if if you took the football side out of it, you think it was a well-oiled machine that was finishing high up in the table every season because that's what the documentary made us look like. They made us look like, you know, a club that every club should aspire to be run like. And shouldn't we not be, shouldn't other clubs not be aspiring to be run like us? What, in the Championship, five years after she took over in the Championship? No, I don't think so. I think other clubs are probably doing better. But, but do other clubs have a lovely restaurant? Aye, that took two years to finish. Most, most clubs, when they build a new stand, they finish it. Mm-hmm. And they order seats to on time. Yeah. And, and you're not, you know, you're not playing in temporary uh, dressing rooms for, you know, 18 months longer than you should have been. They, they did kind of gloss over all of that with the new stand, didn't they? Of course they did. Of course they did. A, a massive PR stunt. You know, I've said this before. Um, and Levine was, was speaking during the week there and he was saying that uh, it was never meant to be about the football side. It was all about, you know, what goes on behind the scenes and things like that. And that ultimately is, is clearly it was a PR stunt. You know, they've, they've came together with the BBC and they've agreed a deal to do a three-part series 
which um, polishes them up and makes them look good. And um, it just so happens that it happened to coincide with uh, the most disastrous season in the club's recent history. So, um, you know, ultimately, all the spotlight's going to be focused onto that instead. But uh, I think uh, she's, you know, they, they still worked hand in hand with the BBC to, to make themselves look good. But, um, you know, it wasn't the juicy kind of controversial um, documentary that, that people thought it was going to be. Um, and, you know, I think the BBC have probably missed a trick by, by not making making it like that. You know, they could have easily had an eight-part series stretched it over. And, um, but I don't think Hearts would have allowed that. I think, uh, you know, we've said plenty of times that, that it's all about perceptions and, and, and kind of making things look a certain way. He did say there was not very much controversy in the documentary. I mean, when you do sort of look through it, there was a wee bit, you could argue. I mean, the way Stendhal left, I thought, was very unprofessional. Anne Budge claimed in the documentary that Daniel Sten- that she couldn't get a hold of Daniel Stendhal. Daniel Stendhal actually claimed that nobody phoned him. I don't think they, they covered themselves in glory there. You know, they could have turned in and says, uh, listen, Daniel, you know, we've decided to go down a different route and we're going to announce Robbie Nielsen as our new manager. Um, why they needed to, to announce it that evening without actually speaking to the guy I just think, you know, they, they they didn't need to announce it there and then. They could have just waited and says, you know, until the next game morning until she had spoken to them. Uh, poor, as you say. I, I think it, I think it was. I, I find it quite ironic from uh, Anne Budge that she was the one all summer to talk about integrity in football and there's no integrity in not telling your manager that he's no longer uh, got a job and you just sign someone and he finds out via text message from one of his pals, like you said, or, 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 or a message on, on social media. Uh, quite embarrassing. It's quite. Uh, it was shocking. I mean, we we all knew that there was there was something not quite right about how the appointment was handled. And it's clear to see as well. I mean, it said is they want to have big influence in how European football is run in the next um, ten years or so, or in the next five years with the Conference League, etc. I mean, Hearts have been in Europe once for since since twenty thirteen. But the way she goes on about it, you think you think we'd been there every season. You know, this is a club that's fighting for Europe. We've only fought for Europe once. You know. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, while while Mrs. Budge continues to appoint managers who have now overseen two of the most embarrassing results in the club's recent history, um, I, I think you know, talking about Europe's a bit premature. Yeah. One of those results, ironically, was in Europe. I think I think we need to sort of uh, you know be able to walk before we run. Mm-hmm. We, need a, we need a reality check. Let's be honest. I don't know where this. If, if there's going to be no chance of us talking at the European table in the next five years if we're jobbing about in the second division of Scottish football and making a meal of that as well at the same time. Uh, well, she so has big ambitions but can never quite live live up to. Them. F- f- football can change very quickly, but I mean you've got to have the foundations in place. Um, you know. And I think this is where we've missed a trick. You know, we had a real chance to to go and kind of uh, absolutely piss this league, um, build a squad that's capable of coming straight up and challenging to get back into Europe and, and having the chance to do that and then, bam, have a go at Europe. You know, you could do that in, in, in a few seasons. Um, but it just looks like we're wasting time again, you know, with, with the wrong kind of setup and listen, you know, it, it could change again. We could go and win the cup and everything's rosy. But, I, you know, I just think it would mask some of the, the bigger issues that, that we have at the football club. And um, sadly, I don't see them changing. I think we're going to just keep going uh, round in circles. You know, nothing changes, though. We just and, and nothing will change, I think, until there's a proper recon... You know, until somebody comes comes in, really, and, and whether that's the foundation of hearts or... Um, if someone buys the club, I think the fact that the fans had, had never been consulted, particularly the foundation members, had never been consulted about potential takeover bids from 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 um, from people. You know, I mean, they should be allowed to have serious look and and the fans able to make their own judgment about takeover bids. You know, these were not. You know, Mrs. Budge says, oh, she has numerous people asking to invest in the club and. 
and because people will see Hearts as, as a project that they can come in and generally take the club to the next level and I think that's going to be looked at you know I mean um, I don't think that the fans will have any real say in, in anything because I mean if the fans had a say in anything when they were standing outside protesting after a defeat at home at Motherwell last season Mrs Budge should have acted on the fan uh, on the fans behalf and said right enough's enough but she didn't she ignored the fans and then it wasn't until it was too late um, then taking seven weeks to appoint a new manager uh, that, that ultimately cost us and, and seen us um, spiral into the division you know I mean people can't gloss over last season because it was it was the writing was on the wall during the summer particularly the, the, the second half of the, the previous season you know, I think we had had one home game or something in six months, or whatever it was, uh, where we were a disaster. You know, losing five nil to Livingston, and you know, just constantly being rolled over by teams. You know, you could clearly see that the 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 current setup was not working, and um, and then we went into the summer again, persisted with the exact same setup, and then look what happened. It all ended in tears, and and um, the fact that she ignored the fans early in September. When, when they had said enough's enough, get them out now, make the change now before it's too late. She ignored them and uh, and look what happened. And I think that's that's going to be questioned. Did you think fan ownership would be a lot easier than this? Hmm. Yeah, it was made out to be that way, wasn't it? It was made out to be a very smooth uh, process and that, you know, fans would at least have a say in the club and six years later, here we are, No, seems to be no further, uh, co- closer to being fan owned than it felt like we were six years ago when... Foundation Hearts was kind of set up and everyone was, was signing up for the pledges. Um, listen, I, I can't do the comments. I don't, know how, I don't know how it all works, really, um, the Foundation of Hearts and how they're eventually going to take over. Uh, you, if you said to, to us in 2014 when it started that by 2020 we'd be back in the Championship, still not fan-owned, you'd have laughed. I, I don't know what this, uh, this fan ownership was meant to be, but I'd like to hope that this wasn't the, <laughs> the plan from the start because uh, I don't think many people would have signed up. You know, it's, it's like a it's a democratic kind of vote. I think a process. You know, the the people who are ultimately running the club are held accountable, and if they aren't doing a good enough job, they can get voted out, and new people can come in. I th- as far as I was aware, that was that was the process. You know, it was to give the 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 fans a chance to actually have a say in in what's running the club. And and the biggest issue we had last season was the fans weren't happy with the way the the, the club was play that the team was playing on the park. They wanted the manager out. They clearly made that, that knowing and it was ignored until it was too late and look what happened. Well, thank you both for joining me um, this week. We hopefully won't be moaning as much next week, but you never know, it's hearts. Until next time, goodbye.